He turned 17 in juvie for smoking big old fatty bowls. No one could steer him right, but mama tried, then mama died. Hello, and today we'll be talking about Tyler Hambo Hadley, the Hammer Boy, or as I call him, the McLovin of Murder. When 17-year-old Tyler Hadley first made headlines on the morning of July 17th, 2011, most people he went to high school with had no idea who he was, even though many of them were at the huge house party that was at the center of the breaking news. So it came as quite the shock to the residents of the small town of Fort Pierce, Florida, to hear that Tyler Hadley had not only murdered his parents by bludgeoning them with the claw side of a hammer, but then proceeded to throw an absolute rager of a party with their warm bodies stashed in their bedroom. Tyler wasn't the type of kid who ever threw parties, and he was almost never invited to them. He was your typical high school burnout who thought his life's goal was rebellion. He never excelled in sports or school, he had a hard time making friends, and was always in trouble with the law. Tyler smoked, drank, and was known around school as a druggie, and not the fun kind, the depressed skater type who hated their parents. Growing up in Fort Pierce, Tyler had a relatively normal life in a boring town. The city itself sprung up during the housing boom of 2006. Its population rose and crashed with the market, but the Hadleys were lucky enough to have recession-proof jobs. His mother, Mary Jo Hadley, was a beloved school teacher who had a glowing reputation for her caring and empowering style of teaching. His father, Blake Hadley, was an engineer at the St. Lucie Power Plant and at the time of his death had been employed there for 30 years. By all accounts, both were very active, caring, and loving parents to their two boys. In the past years, Blake Hadley could be seen playing basketball in the driveway or tossing a football with his boys until it was too dark to carry on family could be heard splashing and laughing in the pool in the backyard late into the summer evenings. The parents were well regarded by their neighbors, and their children, Ryan and Tyler, were described as polite and well-mannered. But as the years marched on, people around them began to notice a change in one of the boys. Both brothers were always introverted, but Tyler, younger by six years, began to turn inward in a much darker fashion. He started to experience psychological problems when he hit puberty, suffering from depression, an eating disorder, and low self-esteem. His mother had battled through depression herself in the past and recognized the signs. She did what she could for her young boy, putting him in counseling for his problems. She even maybe went a little too far and had Tyler injected with HGH in order to make him taller, stronger, and to boost his confidence. Tyler resisted the help from his mother electing to instead start self-medicating and experimenting with drugs at a very young age, which only intensified the depression he was already feeling. By the time Tyler entered high school, his once loving relationship with his parents had grown silent and cold. Tyler quickly went from the polite kid in the neighborhood to the problem child that folks just wouldn't let their kids hang out with. Dee Dee Maynard certainly thought so. The neighbor of the Hadley stopped letting her son spend time around Tyler after she encountered him and a group of young teens smoking cigarettes in the River Park Wildlife Preserve. Miss Maynard, apparently concerned that the careless delinquents might cause a forest fire, informed Mary Jo Hadley of what she had seen. Mary Jo first defended her son before shrugging the entire incident off. When Tyler heard Miss Maynard was cosplaying as Smokey the Bear, he was pissed. 
Two weeks later, Tyler returned to the wildlife preserve with some friends, dragging an old abandoned couch in tow. They soaked the old furniture with gasoline and set it ablaze. The amateur arsons added far more gas than they needed, and the fire got out of hand. The fire department was called, but the boys received nothing more than a warning. A lot of you may be pointing out that arson is an early red flag for a serial killer, and more action could have been taken. But let me be clear, Tyler Hadley was speed running his descent into madness at a record pace. Ten weeks before the day of the party, in late April of 2011, Tyler was involved in a fight at a friend's house. The cops came and he was arrested and charged with aggravated battery. Because his juvenile record showed larceny, he was sent to St. Lucie County Jail for a week and then he spent the next two weeks on house arrest. Once free from his home and his family, Tyler seized the opportunity and used it to begin sliding down a three-week-long spiral of self-destruction. The culmination of this slide came one month before the party when he returned to his parents' house late on a Friday night. In his words, he was smashed as fuck, having already passed out and pissed on a friend's bed before being sent home. Mary Jo was horrified to see her youngest in this state and admitted him to New Horizons the next morning. New Horizons is a mental health facility that treats psychological issues like substance abuse and clinical depression. Initially, he was kept inpatient, but was released soon after for outpatient care and counseling. Six weeks before the party, Tyler's older brother Ryan moved to North Carolina for college, leaving Tyler alone with his parents for the first time in his life. His therapy sessions continued for a while, while Tyler's attitude showed signs of improvement. Two weeks before the party, his late mother was telling folks that he was over the hurdle. A co-worker asked Mary Jo if she thought that her son was capable of hurting her. In one of her final quotes, she defends her son by saying she was only worried that Tyler might hurt himself. Tyler's phone and social media messages paint a much darker picture, though. He seemed to regularly reflect on the idea of suicide. He also relented openly to friends about his desire to kill his parents. So in a desperate grab at control over his own life, Tyler devised a sick plan to do just that and throw a huge house party before his arrest. Some sick fucks even encouraged him. On the morning of the party, a piece of shit named Matthew Noble can be seen in these messages egging on Tyler's unhinged plan. In the end though, it was Tyler Hadley's own actions that brought his world crashing down on top of him on Saturday, July 16th, 2011. Once he committed to the plan, he sprung into action. He spent the morning making arrangements for a house party that his parents would never allow. At 11.25, he Facebook messaged his friend Antonio Ramirez, hinting at a party at his house that night. When Ramirez asked if his parents ain't home, Tyler tells him, nope, well, they're leaving soon. At 1.15 p.m., Tyler posted to his Facebook wall, party at my crib tonight, maybe. Shortly after 5 p.m., Tyler found his parents' cell phones and hid them to keep them from calling for help. He turned on the song Feel Lucky by Lil Boosie, and then he dropped three tabs of X. He waited until he started rolling before he made his way to the garage. There, he picked up your standard claw hammer before returning to the house. He approached his mother from behind who was seated at the family computer chair. Tyler contemplated his actions for a few moments before raising the hammer 
and swinging it down, crushing his mother's skull with the claw end. She immediately screamed, why? Over and over as he sunk the hammer into her brain over and over. The commotion brought Tyler's father running. When he saw his hemorrhaging wife dying at the hands of their own son, he too demanded to know why. Blake Hadley was a hulking 6'1", 300 pounds, and after seeing the love of his life senselessly taken before him, probably had a burning rage in his eyes. 160 pound Tyler was not intimidated, and he did not hesitate. Why the fuck not was the last thing his father heard before the claw hammer cleaved open his skull. Tyler continued to bludgeon his father's brains until he was sure that he was dead. Most people's heads would be racing, overtaken by guilt and regret, but Tyler had a fucking party to get ready for. First, he wrapped his parents' head with the family's bath towels. He drugged them to their bedroom one by one before he tossed the bloody hammer on the ground between them. He continued over the next three hours to cover up the horrifying events that had just unfolded. Tyler tossed any incriminating evidence into the bedroom right atop his parents' bodies. Before long, they were completely covered in broken glass, a coffee table, books, broken dishes, and bloody towels, making their corpses the morbid foundation of Tyler's tower of shame. He shut his parents' bedroom door, locking it behind him. The garage had blood tracked through it from his shoes, but because it was already getting late, he decided to just lock that as well and call it good. Fully rolling face at this point and surging on adrenaline, Tyler rushed to take a shower and get himself ready for the best party ever. According to his best friend Michael, Tyler said he got out of the shower and stared at his reflection before starting to laugh. Being a special night, Tyler got dressed to the 99 problems but my parents ain't one. He threw on a black tall tee, black dickies, and black Air Force Ones. Basically exactly what you think this idiot would wear. At 8.15 he posted, party at my house hit me up, when a friend replied, whoa, what if your parents come home? They won't, trust me, Tyler replied. Had he lived in a bigger city with something to do, his plans probably would have fallen short, but there wasn't shit going on in Port St. Lucie, so by 11pm, the party was already filling up. Even though the crowd of 60 or so had few faces among it that were familiar to Tyler, he didn't seem to be concerned. Tyler did tell people not to smoke inside when a blunt was sparked, but after a moment of weighing his priorities, he quickly rescinded that restriction. He figured the less people outside making noise, the longer the party would last. At first this was great, Tyler's carefree attitude allowed the party to jump to the next level. The entrepreneurs saw their chance, and teeny bopper drug dealers started selling X and weed among the crowd openly. The small town kids who couldn't believe the banging good time that was going on began to invite everyone they knew. But as the night went on, crowd swelling to over 100, the mood of the party began to take on a darker tone. Several people asked Tyler where his parents were and he always seemed to give a different answer. For the ones that knew Tyler's family, none of his lies seemed to explain why both of his parents' cars were in the driveway. Some people claimed to have even seen blood streaks and spots around the house. Before midnight, someone had even joked about Tyler killing his parents openly, a joke which received the laughter apparently. Several future felons who didn't know Tyler personally 
picked up on his laissez-faire attitude about his house and the party and took advantage of the situation. Picture frames were being broken, food was being eaten from the fridge, and one kid even came running into the house after ripping the neighbor's mailbox from the ground, the receptacle still in hand. People were beginning to steal things, as one person in attendance noted, saying the house looked like it had been ransacked by thieves. Two people even brought their own dogs in to party doggy style. Still, it seemed Tyler's only concern was that everyone was having fun. Around one in the morning, Tyler's persona began to crack. The molly was wearing off and the guilt and regret were beginning to set in. He asked his best friend Michael to walk outside with him because he wanted to tell him something. The two, best friends since eight years old, walked to the end of the block before Tyler opened up. He confessed to his skeptical friend what he had done to his parents. Michael was hoping it was all a joke until Tyler walked him into the garage, which still bore the bloody footprints made during his trippy cleanup. Michael was horrified, but perhaps had a loyalty to his best friend that would be going away for a long, long time, decided to stay at the party for nearly another hour. During that time, he and Tyler took a selfie in the garage together. Bloody footprints just out of frame. Around 1.30 in the morning, the party finally began to dwindle down. There was now a noticeable odor, and the entire house was trashed. It must have been around this time, now coming down from the molly while watching the kids who destroyed his family's home leave with big smiles on their faces, that he realized that everyone had used him, and it started to become clear that his last hoorah was coming to an end. While walking with a friend who was on his way out, Tyler confessed to killing someone. His friend told him he didn't want anything to do with that and left. His need for confession hadn't been fulfilled though, because on the way back into his house, his paths crossed with someone that he had just met that night. When the kid politely thanked Tyler for having them over, he responded by telling him that he was going to commit suicide because of something that he had done. At 2 a.m., many of the partygoers that remained got word about another party not thrown by a loser, and so almost everybody left. The abrupt 14-car caravan full of teenagers peeling out of the neighborhood finally prompted one of the neighbors to call the cops on the party. By this time, the party was sub-20 people, and when the cops knocked, Tyler told the remaining guests to be quiet, and he answered the door. Whatever he said satisfied the cops enough for them to take off. But as the party continued, Tyler began to contemplate suicide aloud. This prompted his best friend Michael to hide Tyler's Percocet stash before he took off. By three, the party was all but dead. Less than 10 people remained, and Tyler had killed the lights to the house to avoid attention. One witness recalls Tyler making himself a sandwich in the dark, probably in the grips of a harsh come down and feeling the overwhelming guilt of what he had done, he tried to push those thoughts to the back of his mind. At 4.40 a.m., Tyler posted to Facebook, party at my house hit me up. His pathetic plea to prolong his dead parent party was not very effective. The party would get a surprise guest though. Moments after his post, the cops knocked at the front door again. They were not there for a party though. This time, they were looking into a possible double homicide. Best friend Michael had called Crime Stoppers. He told them what Tyler had shown him and everything that he had told him. It seemed Tyler was more hesitant to answer the door this time, 
the handful of remaining partygoers say it was frantic. When he did open the door, he was ordered out at gunpoint before he was taken to the ground and cuffed. When the cops asked if any parents were home, Tyler said no, I know I'm going to Rock Road so just take me, referring to the address of the city's jail. As they drug him to the car, he begged the cops not to go inside. Initially, 17-year-old Tyler Hadley was charged and found guilty with two counts of second-degree murder and given two concurrent life sentences. But a Florida law passed during his sentencing that barred life sentences for juveniles without a hearing to determine if it was appropriate. This overturned his ruling and gave the parent killer a new hope. Hope that was snatched away in December of 2018 when the two life sentences were confirmed by a judge when he said Tyler was indeed a Florida man and not a Florida boy. Tyler the Hammer Boy Hadley currently resides in the Okeechobee Correctional Institution where he will remain until he dies. And that's going to do it for today. I want to thank everybody for watching and a big shout out to Merle Haggard who stepped out of the grave to help me with the song today. Yeah. Don't forget to like and subscribe if you like this kind of content, and if uh, you got some better lyrics from Merle Haggard to lay down about Tyler Hadley, let me know in the comments below. Manic out.